Using marijuana before the age of 25 could actually cause changes in our memory. That's because THC, the active chemical in weed, attaches to receptors in the hippocampus, the part of your brain that creates memories. Learn about marijuana at our website. Would you rather have wireless on the most reliable network nationwide or unlimited with 5G for $30 a month per line? You don't have to choose with Xfinity Mobile. Wireless so good it keeps one-upping itself. Most reliable based on Root's metric US report. Results vary, not an endorsement. $30 per month per line when you get four lines. Hi there, I am Adam Kirbas. And this is my novel, The Supermarket Murder. I'm in the staff room. Millie's, the woman who came to greet me, is still looking at me indifferently. I'm still holding her ID in my hands. I again read over the family name, Lab, Harun, the one shop assistant who is cold, who tells me that he didn't, he didn't see anything. Only Mehmet. He is the one who is worried. He is the one who actually found the dead but he saw it. I asked him, where were you when it happened? Mehmed is thoughtful, he's scared. He doesn't dare to look in to my eyes. He's staring at his hands. I was at the back while the delivery guy was there. You can check if you want. Immediately, I hear in his voice that he fears my doubt, suspicion. Millis intervenes. I know that guy. He's been bothering every one of us. He's, he has sexually harassed me. She says it in a careless way, in a cold manner. He just sexually harassed me, that's all. So he probably has deserved to die. I'm thoughtful. I look at the shop assistant's shoes. The shoes of Melis and Harun are dirty. They probably walked in here recently. And I see that Mehmet's shoes are actually clean. Well, this could mean that Mehmet probably has a special pairs of shoes in his lockers or that Mehmet lives somewhere else, has approached the shop from a different route so that his shoes did not get dirty. But again, it is somehow suspicious. I look at Harun 
and he's close to doesn't seem to fit. He still seems tired. As if he had waken up recently. Despite the fact that it is already past midday. I look at Melis. Her cold eyes do not let go of me. I ask her, where do you know that man? She tells me, he has been visiting us for quite a while. Do you know where he lives? Her response is immediate. He's a tourist. How do you know? Well, the, now she gets a bit uncomfortable. Has he tent? Well, we know everyone around here. I'm thoughtful. If he's a tourist, do you know where he lives? Melis agrees, yes. And Harun gets up and takes out a model, model key out of his pocket. Where did that come from? I ask him. He tells me it, la it laid. It was lying on the floor. He, meaning the dead body, must have dropped him. Must have dropped it. And now I ponder. How could have been a motel key dropped? Because it appeared like that the, a person was shot in his face and that he fall forward. I look back. I remember the person's trousers, his coat, his overcoat. He had deep pocket. And I think that as a tourist, the, the most thing you're scared of is that you might lose your keys. Did he dangle with his keys in his hands? Melis seems to have grasped my suspicion. She, she immediately froze in. He dangled with his keys arrogantly in front of us. He acted like he would be something better. She says it with a contemptuous tone. I look at her, make her grasp, try to bring her back in reality that I'm still holding her ID, her blue card, and that I again, Austin, 
audaciously look at her ID, conveying to her, well, you are a member of the Leheb family. You are privileged above all. But she doesn't seem to be bothered in the least. I tell Harun, so you found him then, and not Mehmed. Harun is thoughtful, as if he did not really thought it through. No, he claims. Mehmed was the first. He told me, and then I immediately rushed towards the body. And I, and the first thing I saw was the motel keys. The first thing he saw. And this from the guy who just a couple of seconds before told me that he's under such a shock that he can't remember anything. I want to poke him a little bit. So you, so the only thing you saw was the keys, the motel keys. He approves, yes. Did you saw who showed him? The room gets silent. No, he tells me after a while. I didn't saw him. And again, Melis intervenes. Well, probably one of the girl's fathers whom he harassed shot him. Does he? How long have you been? Have you known this dead person? Melis thinks for a couple of seconds. She says four to five years. We know him because he always comes here. He always lives at the same motel. Hmm. What's his name? She doesn't know. She says it's it's I I think she's thoughtful upon during She says, maybe his name is Thomas or Taffin. Thomas or Taffin. But I tell her, you know that he's an American, don't you? Yes, she says, yeah, yeah. His name is Thomas. Hmm. Thomas, did he ever talk to you? No, he didn't. But you know his name, yes. Because people around here, they talk. Talk about what? Well, they talk about other people. People who harass them. I ask her. She admits yes. So, everyone is 
talking about him being a harasser. I ask. Yes, she admits. Did he harass you as well? Melis looks me straight in, in my eyes, cold without any emotions. Yes, he did. Here in, here in the supermarket, I in a choir. She say, she thinks for a while and then responds, no, not here, outside. Outside where? Well, outside there. She, she needs time to think about a proper answer. Well, outside somewhere. I sometimes work, walk past the motel and, he, and I noticed him, cat, calling me. What he did, what did he say? I inquire. Well, you know, I see she's hesitant. Again, she's struggling to make up a good lie. She hasn't thought it through. She's a bad liar because good liars are not those who can keep a poker face, but those who can continuously invent stuff, who have or any answer for every possible question. She's a bad liar. She says, yeah, he called me, hey, baby, and, and so on. That's what he did, yes. I I'm still holding her ID. She probably thought this would be all easy. She probably trusted on her name and that everything would be solved thereafter. Hmm, I'm thoughtful. May I take down your names? Because this is a very important murder investigation and I probably need to know more or I probably need to ask you once again. Harun is spooked. He looks at Melis. He didn't think that it would come to a second interrogation. Melis is thoughtful. Then she says, well, we said you everything we, we know. Well, maybe you may remember something else. Mehmet, the, the one who have been who has been silent for all this time gets shaken up. He's fearful. Again, those two men look at Melis. She seems to be the head of the group and probably prepared everyone to what they assume to say, should say. I don't wait for an response. I take out my notebook and write down. I write down Melis' name. I write down Harun's name and 
Mehmet's name. And I say to them, you will probably have to come to the police precinct with an ID. And this strikes those two fully. Harunix claims an ID. He is troubled. I see that his face gets reddish. He is breathing heavily. Yes, I say we need to make sure who you are because this is some serious stuff. I want to play out my cards. I know that I have struck something. I want to spook them. I want to frighten them. I say to them, well, he is an American. And because he is an American citizen, the American embassy will want a proper investigation. He is a foreigner. Things are different in America. All three of them are that beat. But his parents are Turkish. This doesn't matter. I respond. It doesn't matter because he is an American citizen and this will be spread over the news media in America. Americans do not love, do not like their citizens being shot dead in public. This is some serious issue here, ladies and gentlemen. And I know this strikes all of them. I linger for a while. I know that I have all three of them in my hand now. Because people make stupid things when they are scared. I can immediately see that they know something that probably more people are involved in this. Not only those three that probably this is only the tip of the iceberg. I'm still holding Melissa's ID card. What does her family know about her? About her? That she is involved in a homicide investigation. I pocket her ID card, watching her closely. She is struck. She has lost his in her indifference. She has lost her smugness. Her body is slightly bent forward. And she's struggling with herself. I take out a glove. I dare, I ostentatiously put on the gloves in front of everyone. 
and I pick up the hotel, the motel keys and put it into a bag with an indifferent manner. I tell to all three of them that we have to search for fingerprints on that motel key. All three of them get beaten and look at each other troubled. I walk out of the supermarket. I again watch at the dead body. Someone was shot there. Before I went out, I turned and asked Melis that we probably need the surveillance recordings that the cameras must have recorded the murderer. Melis regains her composure. She says that the cameras are off. How can that be? I demand. She says that there was an issue. There was an issue with, with the cameras and the technician was called on but he did not appear so far. Melis almost smiles. Her smug nature strikes me. This was, this was probably an integral part of their plan. <laughs> Thoughtful. I'm thoughtful. So we have no recordings then. No, she says. Do you have the name of the technician who is responsible for the surveillance cameras in the supermarket? She says yes. And immediately takes out a card of the technician. Well, how convenient. She had it in her pocket. I read over the card of the technician. Murat Javal. Hmm. Technician. The card looks cheap. It looks one of those cards you can order in the internet where you get them very cheaply in a bulk. I watch it for a while. I flip it. I don't wanna I don't wanna let those free folks off the hook. I groan 
ไอ้มูนแอนด์ไอ้อัสเมลิสไอ้ชัวร์ที่ซีส์คาร์ดแอนด์เฮอร์เฮอร์สมาร์กเนสเฮอร์คอคอนเดอร์เซนดิ้งปุ๋ยส์ดิสเพียร์ส์ฉันรู้ว่าของฉันดาวต์ฉันบอกว่าใช่แต่นี่ไม่ใช่ความเชื่อมั่นอีกแล้วนี่เป็นสิ่งที่ใช่เวอร์เรียสเวอร์เวลไอ้เซ่ลุกเห็นใจอินดิฟเฟนต์ลี่คอลลี่ฉันอยากให้เธอเงินเธอเหมือนที่เธอทำกับฉันมาก่อนฉันออกจากที่ซูเปอร์มาร์เก็ตฉันเห็นแค่ผู้ที่ลุกขึ้นหลายคนแต่เห็นในระยะไกลฉันคิดว่าฉันรู้จักบางคนของลีเฮปฟาเมลีเมมเบอร์สเขาเข้ามาได้เร็วฉันรู้ทุกคนว่าคนพูดถึงพวกนี้ฉันรู้นิดหน่อยเกี่ยวกับ About their social standings, I know that this family is well off. I know that it is unusual for someone of the Lab family to work in a supermarket, and I know that this supermarket is actually not the place where normally this family would do their. Or buy their groceries. So weird. This all strikes me as weird. I look at the motel key. I know the motel is a cheap motel, a little bit outside the town. It is one of those motels. Tourist guides would not recommend because it because it is cheap. It is it has not it has not all amenities. It, for example, has no internet. And I wonder that this tourist who came here. From from the states, from all the way from America, the ticket alone must have cost him between eight hundred and one one and a half thousand dollars. The ticket alone, and then he comes here and sleeps. In a cheap motel. This indeed strikes me as odd. And I walk up in the home motel. The motel is as it appears from outside. It is shabby. 
it is one off. It is not the kind of motel tourists would go into. It is rather a motel which is, you know, for for inner country travelers or for truckers, for omnibus drivers who have to sleep off for, for a day or something, a night. But this is sure as hell no the motel for tourists. At least I think about it. I look around. No. There are there's trash in the corners. There are there is filth on the floor and there is a smell. It is the floor soap. This same smell like in the supermarket. The same floor soap. And I'm thoughtful. But I think of the tourist. Maybe, maybe he had a very imp important business to attend to. It could be that he traveled all the way from the States, came here to do any business, who knows, but I ponder why pay 800 to one and a half thousand dollars for a flight you could have as well as paid it to a lawyer. This would have made things easier. Why come all the way to Turkey and sleep in a cheap and shabby motel? Maybe this is all a cover. I think about the stuff I heard about drag, about drag mules who travel the world, who bring in uh, and export drag, drug through all the world. Maybe they have came up with a good scheme to bring drugs in the US or something like that. Because one thing struck me as sure that they knew him, but this sexual harassment stuff, this sounds too, too vague, too indifferent. I've seen a lot of women who have been the victims of abuse, who have been the victims of harassment. They are broke. They have lost their self assurance. They do not stand in front of you condescendingly and in a smug way. No, they are broke. So what is 
going on. I'm not quite sure. I walk up into the hotel room. In the in, I walk up on the reception. I've I'm greeted by a woman. She's dark, tanned. She doesn't seem to be a local, but I see a name tag on her chest, stating Arzu. I say, I greet her. Hi, I'm here for the room of of a person who has died recently, a tourist, an American. Do you know his room number? Because the key does not reveal any room number. It is a simple bare key. I see a PC, but it is not opened yet. I look at her and she has written on a hand note the room number 172. Hmm. Do you have his name? I ask her. She says, yeah, his name is Mr. Jenkins. I say to her, I demand from her, can you print out the booking? She looks worried at the personal computer. She says uh, vaguely, no, I can't do that. Why I demand? Because uh, the owner, she's struggling with to come up with an explanation because the owner has changed the password and he did not tell anyone the new passport. So I, I can't get in to the system, she tells me. Oh, I see. Can I have your ID? I ask her, because I know something is off of this story. I see she's not a local and she speaks Turkish with a slight Arabic accent. She says, why, why do you need my ID? I'm only a worker here. I say to her, you're well. Because you, you may have seen something. You may know something about Mr. Jenkins. She says, no, I didn't see anything. I don't know him at all. Again, I look at the notes in front of her desk. The room number 172 and beneath is the, is the victim's name, Mr. Jenkins. 
how come that she knew whom I was looking for? I asked her, did you know that I was looking for him? She says, no. But why did you write down the room number and his name? Then she says, I have not written it down. It was the owner. He was called by the police and the owner called her, her and told, told her the room number and the name. I see. Is the owner around? He is, but not, he is not in today. I ask him where might he be? Well, I don't know. He doesn't say those things to us. He, he doesn't tell us what he does. She seems exhausted, weary. Then I say to her, well, if you do not have an ID, I have to make a photo of you. What? She's shocked. Yeah, I say, because, you know, I know of, of course that you look like a decent girl, but, you know, we have, as a police officer, you come across a lot of people who want to deceive others, and we want to be sure who you are. She's struck. I take out my smartphone, look at her intentively and take a photo. She is paralyzed. Something in her wants to resist. She, she's grabbing tightly this, the chair on which she's, she's sitting but she can't do anything against it. I take the photo. Okay, I say to Arzu, now I will go to the, to Miss Jeng, to Mr. Jenkins' rooms. She only nods. She doesn't know what to say. She doesn't know what, how to do. I walk up the stairs in this shabby mode. Tell nothing seems to be uh, inviting. There's filth everywhere. Then I come to room number 172. Why such a high number? Because I counted the more. Tell has only a few rooms about. 25 rooms. They probably wanted to make it appear as if it would be a big motel, as if it would be some sort of a grand scheme, as, as if this would be a decent establishment. 
I open the door and there's dust on the floor and it seems like someone has smoke smoked in the room has been smoking in the room no windows are open the victim didn't have any any cigarettes on him and I didn't smell smoke on the victim however I look around and there is a bag on the bed assumably it belongs to the victim but the room does not seem to be used the bed is made so the cleaning woman apparently only made the bed but did forget to clean the floor I go in to the bathroom no the bath does not seem to be used then I open the dresser again the dresser does not seem to be used no cloth piece nothing is in it I get thoughtful then I go to the bag and I see the victim's passport on the desk it seems like he had forgotten it I opened the passport Mr. Clyde Jenkins from Pennsylvania this strikes me as odd you do not forget your passport in your motel suite you do not forget your purse in your motel suite however there was only a passport no money nothing as if someone has had put it there I pocket the passport and walk to the bag I open the bag and I see all new clothes but these are clothes who all have labels from Turkish fashion houses even the underwears have been bought from Turkish fashion houses so this Mr. Jenkins had no or did not bring any underwear from the States nothing and he just bought all his stuff here in there here in Ordu in Turkey this is weird well of course it can be possible especially if he was one of those young folks who wanna 
drive around the world randomly. He may have assumed that he will buy his stuff, his clothes abroad. But it is weird though, why such a small bag? Because if he intended to buy his clothes abroad because there it is cheap, admittingly the US dollar is currently stronger or is or the Turkish lira is currently weak. So this means if you bring in dollars, you can buy a lot of stuff. But why such a little bag? He could have traveled with a bigger bag and then filled this bag with a lot of clothes, especially if you juxtapose that he probably paid 800 to one and a half thousand dollars for the flight ticket then it does not add up why such a little bag you want to make this journey count hi i'm flo from progressive being a baseball fanatic like me can be stressful it's not all sports points and touchdowns so progressive is going to help you take your mind off your team for a moment Instead of thinking about how they missed that goal point score, think about the Name Your Price tool from Progressive letting you choose coverage options based on your budget. Unlike your team that missed the end zone net area. Well, anyway, hope this distraction about Progressive's Name Your Price tool was helpful. It sure kept me from thinking about all those penalty balls. Yay, sports! Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's finally time to start firing up the grill. From city to shore, Acme is everything you need to prep for this summer season. Download the Acme app, the shop for this season's essentials, any way you want. Open the Acme app, clip your deals, then order your items online. An experienced Acme associate will carefully select your groceries, bag your order, and bring it right to your car or deliver right to your door. Download the app or visit acmemarkets.com for program detail.